All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday. Uh, today's four things, a little bit different. Sometimes I have four things with just one person. Sometimes I have four totally different things. I'm just kind of talking or different people mixed in. And today I do three things with one person. Becky Powell, I'll tell you about her in a second. And then the fourth thing with a Christian group for King and Country. They're from Australia. They're super awesome. They recently did a song with Dolly Parton and I loved our little chat. And I recorded with them a couple of weeks ago and I just kind of was like, okay, what am I going to put with their episode? And, you know, they're about putting out inspiring music, faith-based, like um, their music is very powerful and touching. And of course, their song with Dolly is super amazing. And then my friend... Uh, a family friend of mine, of mine hit me up about this book that's going to be coming out in December, December 3rd, uh, to be specific. It's called Awful Beautiful Life. And uh, he sent me a copy of her book that that isn't out yet, but her name is Becky Powell. She wrote it and uh, she shares a story of how God showed up in the midst of tragedy, but also... Um, in that, she talks about how music was very therapeutic for her during this time of tragedy. 
and country music in particular. And I thought, wow, okay, well, maybe she should be the first three things. And this is a great way to kind of have an episode that has to do with faith and music, um, especially given for, for King and Country. That's what they do um, on a daily basis. And then stuff that like what they do and what artists do and songwriters do impact people like Becky who face unthinkable things. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of a story as we lead into my little chat with Becky and she was so sweet and so kind, but this isn't what she ever thought she was going to be doing with her life. And she was a little bit nervous because she's not a public speaker and she's, she didn't grow up thinking, okay, I'm going to be an author. She went through something really terrible and has decided to put her experience uh, to paper and share with others who might be going through a really tough time because now she has a little bit of a roadmap of how she navigated through uh, the tragedy that struck her family. And maybe that can help others. And what we like to do on this podcast all the time, I tell you, is I never want anybody to feel like they're alone. And I feel like Becky's words will be there for somebody. And, uh, you know, pretty much she got a call one day from her husband, Mark, who said, I've done something terrible. And then within hours, she learned that he had taken his own life. And over a period of several years and millions of dollars in debt from friends and family that, you know, her husband had... I don't I, I don't know. You need to read the book and she's going to talk about a little of this. So I don't want to like give you too much because um, I don't want it to be like repetitive. And then also I want you to actually want to read it. But um, he left her with like twenty one and a half million dollars worth of debt and she had no idea. But obviously that debt is what led to him and other things like just in his life, but led him to him taking his own life. Uh, and it's just it's crazy what she had to go through and endure, especially staying strong for her family and her kids, but also being like, what, what the heck, who was I married to? Why did I not know any of this? Um, but also grieving the loss of the man that she loved and the sadness of that, like not knowing that he was going through all of that and they didn't share that together. And she had to find out, um, in such a, such a crazy, unthinkable way. So that happened back in 2013, and now she is, you know, coming through the other side of it. Uh, it's something that's always going to be part of her her story, and she'll never fully get over. But I think um, writing this story and sharing it with others is is good for her and um, has been therapeutic for her. So we'll talk about that. And again, it's called Awful Beautiful Life. It's available for pre-order. Um, so know that when you're listening to her talk, if you feel like it's something you want to go book or if it's something you want to go get the book, uh, you can order it on Amazon. And I've added it to um, my book page. Like I have a little Amazon Amazon shop. I can't talk today, guys. Amazon shop. Uh, Radioamy.com is where you can access that. And then I've got different categories. It's like beauty, groceries. And then there's a cat category for um, books. And that's where you'll find it. So... Um, that's the intro. Uh, I hope everyone is just having a great, wonderful week. I know for me, it's just been one of those weeks where it's just been crazy and I've been a little bit emotional and all over the place. Uh, but it's okay. I had a, I had a crying moment as I record this right now. I had a breakdown today where I cried hard and I hadn't done that in a while. And I know on the podcast too, we've talked about how crying is actually really good for you. And I was reminded of that today 
that I needed to cry. And there's other days where I probably needed to cry, but I couldn't make myself cry for whatever reason. But today something happened that just, or maybe a couple of things that just gave me finally that release that I needed. So this is just my encouragement to you that if you need that release, then allow yourself to feel that and get it out. Because I do believe that it does your body good and it releases chemicals that make you feel better. So, you know, cry. That's, that's, that's my advice to you today. I'm just going to leave you with that little tidbit and know that if you cry, you are not alone and we're all going through something. So again, that leads me to another reminder to just have grace for people and know that if they treat you a certain way that isn't kind, uh, it just means they're probably going through something. And we just got to always, always remember that. Um, Okay, so here we go. First three things with Becky Powell, all about her book, Awful Beautiful Life. And then the fourth thing with two Australian awesome dudes from For King and Country. Here we go. First thing. That's right. So as I mentioned in the intro, uh, I've got Becky Powell here. And it's kind of interesting how we came together because I'm from Austin, born and raised you live in Austin, but we have a mutual friend, shout out, well, a couple of different ones, but specifically Matt Matthias, which I used to, when I was in high school, um, they had three kids, two two girls that were twins and like a three-year-old at the time. And I was a senior in high school and I would go and spend about four hours a day helping them out. So kind of like their little part-time nanny. And then I would go back for cheerleading practice in between because my school hours were weird my senior year. And they're just like the best family ever. And I got a package in the mail from Matt and it included your book, Awful Beautiful Life. And then a sweet note from Matt and a sweet note from you. And, you know, it took me a couple weeks to get to it. And then I finally started reading it. And then I reached out to Matt and then reached out to you. And crazy part is you're like, well, I'm going to be in Nashville like next week. And I was like, well, that's amazing. Can you please come on my podcast? So uh, Becky, I'll let uh, you kind of take it from here with, we're going to start with faith. We're going to do three things um, with Becky today. And Awful Beautiful Life is the title of your book. And um, faith is a huge part of your journey and, and what you write about. And I know that it's a very sensitive, vulnerable thing. Uh, and then after faith, you've got some F words <laughs> that you use. So let's start with faith and then we'll get into family and friends and then country music too, because that played, um, has played a role in what you experience. So I'm going to let you tell listeners about what, take us back to where this started um, and why this book now exists. The book exists. It's this is our story from about six and a half years ago. My just living an ordinary life, every day, busy, and I guess ordinary day. In the middle of one day, my husband called and said he had done something terrible, and within two hours, I found out he had taken his life, and. My life changed instantly. I was instantly a 
widow, single mom of three. And the book, Awful Beautiful Life, is our journey through what happened from that day forward. And I could not have gotten through what we encountered for the next 18 months without my faith. A lot of people ask me, how did you, how did you do it? And my response is, lots of F-words, faith, family, friends, fun, and a Some, few of those other F-words, too. So. Sometimes the other F-words. Right, yes. exactly. Which, I mean, I think everybody would understand. And, you know, as I was reading, I, and even just now hearing you say that, I'm sure it's hard for you to even go back to that day, even having to relive it when you're writing the book, um, but also probably therapeutic for you, too. Um, to go back and sort through some of that through writing the book? It's been very therapeutic, and I think for my children as well, just kind of going back and realizing what we really lived through. I think some of it at the time was just such a blur, but then also just seeing how God did show up Mm -hmm. in these unexpected ways at unexpected times that just pushed through, helped us push through. So your faith at at the time, and then your faith, you know, there's there's two Becky Powells, I think, and that's that before that phone call, and then the two hours after that phone call. I mean, that's got to be a drastic. Your life is never the same. So, where was your faith in that time? And then once you realized, you know, where was your faith two hours later? So my faith has always been pretty strong. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know. I mean, I thought it was pretty strong, but obviously it got stronger. I think it came to the point where I just was completely dependent on God. It was more of a quiet time with God, a time where God really carried me. It was a more private God time because there were specific moments in this journey where he was very clear speaking to me that I had never had in my faith journey before. There were times when he was saying, I am here. And I think my the time it was most clear for me was a couple months after Mark had taken his life. There were some circumstances that we owed people $21.5 million that I didn't know we owed which led to an FBI, SEC, and Department of Justice investigation. And so we couldn't touch anything in the house until they came through and did the search of our house. Once they finished with that, I started going through all of our boxes because we were going to sell the house and move. And as I'm going through my childhood boxes and Mark's childhood boxes, I came across these in Mark's box, a decoupage Jesus. He grew up Baptist, and you have the little wooden plaque where you put the picture of Jesus on there, and then you shellac it. And he had this beautiful, serene Jesus in his box that he had saved. And then a couple boxes later, I come to mine. Same thing. I grew up Methodist, did the little decoupage Jesus on the wooden plaque, except mine was the picture of Jesus in the temple turning over the money changers. I mean, what child picks the angry Jesus? But it was that moment that I realized God was telling me, this money, don't, don't worry about the money. We're not, you're not keeping this money. 
I'm here and I prepared you for this when you were a little girl, when you were Becky Lee, I prepared you for this exact moment. So my faith became this, okay, I'm totally dependent on God. And mm-hmm. it is me and God, that Josh Turner song, me and God, that's, that, that, that resonated that, that's it. with you. That, oh, totally. So just to clarify, because, um, and Awful Beautiful Life is the book, and we're just touching on different parts of it. So without reading it, you might be confused to hear you say, <laughs> you're not going to keep any of the money, but there was $21.5 million worth of debt, but there was insurance money. And that's the money you're talking about. Yes. Not keeping, because Mark won't wanted that for you and the kids because he knew he he was just in a dark place and he thought the solution was he needed to, to leave. Right. And that was his solution. But he didn't want to leave you with nothing and all this debt. So if he had the insurance um, money for you, he wanted you to keep it. And I think something that just hit me so hard was in the book you said, you know, it's one thing to learn that, I mean, because you you knew nothing about this debt and y'all lived a very um, beyond comfortable <laughs> lifestyle. It was very, very so. like y'all didn't want for anything and you traveled and you had nice things and you threw big parties and you were with, you had parties with the governor and more common people like my who knew my sister went to your Christmas parties. <laughs> I didn't learn that until after I was reading your book. But, you know, she, I think, met y'all through young life work that you did or her husband did. And then he did y'all's pool. And so you had a mix of people, not just, you right. know, um, Austin socialites, but a, like a lot of that and your life, anybody from the outside looking in would never know, including yourself, what was really happening. Like you were completely caught off guard. So anyway, for you to then learn this about your husband, for him to not know, oh my gosh, who have I been married to? But then you said, and then he wants me to keep this money? So who does he think I am? I mean, what? So the, I, got, I got goosebumps when I heard that because it's almost like you just, it probably was a double like whammy for you because you could not keep the money, knowing that you owed or your husband owed all of these people this money um, and you were determined to pay it back. And but but more than just needing God to probably guide you through that and your faith to help you through that process, it was just you were still grieving the loss of your husband and your children's father. And then on top of that, you know, the FBI looking into (laughs) you. And so, yeah, so. I know there was lots of quiet times involved and um, not only the country music, which we'll get into that. You mentioned the Josh Turner song. That'll be the third thing we talk about. But, you know, just certain verses that you clung to. And um, so what what would how would you say? Because I know this is too. I'm not trying to give away the whole book because I do want people to read it. But, you know, I love where you made a decision um, to not let alcohol carry you through this because there was a time where like with in the mark was still alive but towards that the end of his time like the last I don't know how long I don't know if you even say but let's just say the last few months or so you thought you had been having more wine at night and people would always stop by and sometimes it'd be three glasses and you just and then when he died I mean I would think an obvious thing would be like well I you know when my mom passed away 
I relied heavily on wine and I've been vocal about that um, too much. Like, but, and even Xanax because I could not deal. And, but I mean, I also didn't have children at the time who were suffering and I needed to like be there for them. Like my husband would deploy and like, that's how it's the only way I could get to sleep at night. Um, But I also did rely on my faith. But for you, you had to be like a soldier because you had lots to do. And um, you decided it's not going to be with alcohol. It's going to be with my faith. Right. And again, I believe that God gave me an instant to make that decision. Mm -hmm. There were some children up in my son's bedroom the night after Mark had died and they were drinking and some of them were underage and it just hit me. It just hit me like that. No, we're not going to do this. There's also Mark had addiction issues and I didn't want that to be the answer, the solution for my children. And so if I was going to say, this is not how we're going to do it, I had to be the example. I had to stop and show my children, you know, this is going to be really hard and we're not going to hide from it. We're going to talk about it, but we will not let alcohol be the solution. Mm -hmm. And then um, I just also, I have pictures, you know, when you're reading a book (laughs) and you have images, like I just picture you, there was times where you mentioned like you would just be on the couch having to deal with real issues, but you would just sit there with your Bible in your lap. Right. I clung to the Psalms just because they were simple. I couldn't process a whole lot, but they give you such strength and hope and encouragement. I mean, it tells you to seek refuge in Him, to be honest. Um, He will provide. I mean, it has every aspect of what we were dealing with. And so I just kept reading them over and over and over again. And I think, um, you know, you mentioned too, and I, uh, I found this to be interesting because I think as adults, we probably overcomplicate things and think that maybe we shouldn't. Weren't you reading like a <laughs> a kid's version of a Bible? And I thought, this is genius. I need to do this because I, what share, yes, share Amy, with our I listeners, because <laughs> I think that some of my listeners will be like, thank you, Jesus, Amy. for Becky Powell telling me that this is OK. No, Amy, I mean, it's that childlike faith. And it just so happened again to me. This was God providing I was reading at the time Mark died, Jesus calling for children. So it yes. was perfect. Which is a devotional. It, it's a devotional. Was it a book and devotional or just well, a No, de- Jesus Calling is a an adult de- devotional yes. that was so popular, they turned it into a children's devotional. Mm-hmm. And I got it because I was giving it to a child, and I bought myself a copy, and it's simple. I mean, it's the same principles, but it just— I hate to say thumbs it down, but it just makes it simple. It makes it easier to process. And it's what I needed. I mean, I could only, I had so many other things going on. I couldn't concentrate, but it was short and simple enough and it applied. Yeah. No. And I think that that's something, especially when you're grieving or you're having to juggle a lot and you need something to speak to you, but not to just your brain. You only have so much capacity. Right. Right. So I thought that was a helpful thing that you could pass along to the others listening. (laughs) That's an encouragement that that it's okay and it can, it's, it's, it's not overcomplicated. I I had enough complicated things going to deal with. Yes. That that was. And when, you know, yeah, you're trying to keep it simple, but, and you know, it's not like God cares like, oh, mom. 
Sorry, right. you're right. Can't carry through this because you're using the kid edition. <laughs> um, and so, did you like when my uh, something I remember about my mom and her faith is uh, after my dad left, he left when I was like nine years old and married uh, somebody else. And you know, I ne- my mom never. So that's that's a that was a double thing for her. Where I have my mom when my parents were together, and then I have the version of my mom without my dad. And I, I saw a change and I knew it's almost like it's my mom with my dad and then after my dad, but also to me, it's like my mom without Jesus and then with Jesus. And so, um, do you think your kids see, saw some of that? Cause my mom would pray every morning. I don't think I ever really remembered seeing her praying, but she would be in her closet on her knees. Um, she never spoke ill of my dad and she could have, but she was trying to cling to her faith and do the right thing and not, you know, cause more damage by, she could have said all the bad things in the world. Cause I'm sure, I mean, she's human. She was probably thinking them. Um, but she chose to just not put that in our minds, but because I think she was filling herself with the Holy spirit and that, that gave her the strength to not go there. And then, um, yeah, I saw her just change and cling to her, uh, the word and have girlfriends over in the morning for Bible study. I mean, they would be over at 5 a.m. like having coffee. And so I just didn't know. I, I see I say that because others out there could be listening and just going through something and knowing that it's it's OK to make a switch. Sometimes people are scared, like can I make that switch? Do I need that? And then but when you're in a desperate time, you just do it. And then that becomes your normal because that's now who I remember my mom as. Right. I, that's a good question. I would have to ask my kids if they saw a change because I mean, we went, you know, we went to church almost every Sunday. I think what they saw was me maybe being more steadfast mm-hmm. and more vocal about it. Yeah. Then a change really in what we believed. Right. Yeah. And I think that too, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot with that question, but I just feel like with faith playing such a big role and sometimes um, it's, you know, you hate for horrible things to happen, but then when you come out on the other side of, as long as it, you know, God can use certain things for good if we allow it. And he says that. Right. And I wanted them to, I think one thing that changed that not the very, he died on a Thursday night and we didn't go to church that very next Sunday, but the following Sunday, that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to go. So I wanted the kids to see, okay, this is what we believe. And now it's time to kind of put our money where our mouth is. I mean, we say that we're going to turn to him in trouble. So we got up, we went to church the sermon that day. I mean, it was for us, there's no doubt. It was a visiting pastor, and he was talking about the um, race. Like, I I don't know if it was a three-mile. Yeah, it was a three-mile race. And he talks about the first mile's real easy. You're just all excited and pumped up. And that last mile, kind of you're exhausted, but you know the ending is coming. But that second mile is super hard. And he was saying that he actually saw someone get off the track in that second mile and just gave up because it was so hard. And 
he was saying, you've got to stay, stay on in that hard time in the second mile and seek God. And it was just, oh my gosh, we're about to hit that second mile. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. again, I think it, our faith was there, but the resolve, the steadfast, we're going to do what we believe and cling to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, um, that's good. And I think Uh, making that decision is one of the things you decided. You also decided that you were going to get up and shower every day and put your makeup on. And that's something I think too, that other people could hear and be like, my friend and I were talking about that. We're like, okay, because I think it would be so easy. Gosh, if I was you just being honest, like I, I don't know that I could get out of bed at all. Um, I really admire your strength and tenacity through this because it's uh, it's strength from another place. And I I say that I don't know that I could get through it, but I guess it depends when push came to shove, what am I going to cling to? And you made that decision um, for it to be your faith, but you also made practical decisions that you knew that were going to get you through the day, like get up, shower, put your makeup on, show face. Right. And actually, I was pretty proud of myself for making some of those decisions. And then one day I was sitting there because I'm like, okay, Lord, give me wisdom and discernment. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, all those ideas came from God. It wasn't me. (laughs) But that the getting up and showering every day and putting my makeup on Mm -hmm. was part of that was just being, okay. I'm going to do what I usually did. I need some normalcy. I need to get up. If I don't, I'll stay in bed. If I don't get up and have this steadfast, I'm going to shower. I'm going to put up my makeup. There was one day, really, twice I had to start my makeup over again because I had already cried it off. Mm -hmm. So even if I cried it off within an hour or by the end of the day, I wanted to try to keep something normal, some type of normalcy. Get up, show the kids we're going to move forward even if it's hard. I don't know. Yeah, no. Um, well, I think we got, I like where this went with the faith talk and next let's get into two of the other F words, (laughs) um, family and friends. All right. I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI owned brands right now online and in store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in store. All right. So I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have. 
uh, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories and they cut out the cost of the middleman and they pass the savings on to us. So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food, everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. Second thing. Okay, so obviously when we face hard times, like certain people show up. And for you and in the book when I read, and you know, I mentioned... uh Matt Matthias, he showed up for you in a, in a different way. And I don't really know, honestly, and you can share with me how, what your relationship was like with him before, um, it all happened, but obviously he knew your husband and had been one of the people that loaned him some money. And, you know, you had probably, I just, I can't even imagine what it must be like for you because some of these friends and family that were showing up for you were also people that loaned your husband money. So then it's, uh, you know, it's 
it's hot. Like, I don't even know if that I have the words because I just can't even imagine. But then also I want you to uh, speak into listeners or people that are, um, you know, listening to this right now that might know somebody that is going through something um, tragic. Uh, I mean, not this exact scenario, but a lot of times people want to know as a friend, how can I be there for someone that's going through something really hard and you went through something really hard. And um, part of the reason why you survived it along with faith was friends and family. So let's talk about those other F words real quick. Mm -hmm. So family. Well, actually, my sister's here with me today. My older sister, Mm -hmm. Mary Beth. Mm -hmm. Um, She's in the book. She's in the book and And she's older. For whatever whatever reason, (laughs) Becky always has to say older. (laughs) Okay. So I I will tell this story because, I mean, this is my sister and I. We've been through some really, she's had some very tragic things in her life as well. And at my husband's funeral, she got up and introduced herself as my younger sister. So she's not, she's older. So I like to introduce her always as my older sister. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I I couldn't have done it without my family and friends. My family, they were unbelievable. My sister, I mean, really took over my life. Um, My parents who are the most amazing, I mean, the epitome of unconditional love, truly, they were there. My husband's family, I mean, his mom and dad were unbelievable. My brother, I mean, all the aunts and uncles and cousins surrounded my children, surrounded Madison Boone and John Luke, and just were there. I mean, Madison, I think, sums it up best. She says, you just show up. I mean, they showed up. They were there. They, I mean, they were doing everything everything for mm-hmm. us um the the friends half the friends we owed money to like you said i mean it was but you didn't even realize it at the well, I, I had time. no idea yeah i had no idea that we owed probably well we owed 21 and a half million dollars to 90 people more than half of them were friends i to describe how they showed up, I mean, Matt, let's start with Matt. I didn't really know Matt that well, but Matt did not want to file a claim. He did not because he was more concerned about the kids and I having money because everybody had figured out pretty early on that we were going to be left with nothing because we were choosing to not keep the money we wanted to pay everybody back. And Matt was like, I don't care. I don't care. I just want their family to be okay. And he only did it at the insistence of my attorney called him and said, if you really want to help her, you need to file a claim because she's not going to be able to move forward unless she pays everybody back. And so just so that to clarify for people, um, and I kind of learned this through the book, but yeah, so because he had deals with these very various people, and I'm still ignorant, don't really know exactly how it works, but he... <laughs> reached he reached out to let's just talk about the friend people because there's businesses that made investments or whatever but sometimes it'd be like hey i need a loan but i'll pay you back with interest so then it's almost like okay well cool he's my friend i'm gonna he needs a hundred thousand okay i'm gonna get a hundred plus back in like six months and he surely he's good for it i mean look at his life or his bit, whatever he has going on. Like I would think, and, and what amazed me too is 
the friends that were involved, it's almost like they didn't really talk about it. And my husband and his best friend, we were, we were all sitting around breaking down your book this last weekend. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, I get that. Like guy code, you know, like don't, don't tell. Cause I don't know if they, he would say to some of them, let's not mention this to Becky. Right. Well, apparently he did. I mean, there were several people that he told, you know, don't tell Becky about this, which in the end was great for me because when every every time a creditor called, the attorneys would say, did you ever talk to Becky about it? Did you ever speak to her about any of this loans? Did she sign the papers? Which helped because the FBI never interviewed me because it was so clear. Right. Because had you been know. quote unquote in on it, right. you could have gone to jail. And right. I mean, that's terrifying to think for all that while this investigation's happening, like I hope that I'm clear of this because truly you were innocent. But but you had fr- so I think originally <laughs> when I was bringing up I I go all over the place but I know my back to my original point about so so people understand Matt filing a claim and creditors so there's ninety claims ish and what you what what happened was he had these investments or deals with these people and then when he took his life and no longer there and then there's millions and millions of dollars out there I guess well wait these people suddenly they want their money back right. you know. So, but then part of me is like, well, wait a second. Maybe what Matt was thinking too is like, he was caring about you and and the kids, but also as an adult and a business person, you make a decision and you loan somebody money. That's on you. Part of me is like, I've, I've loaned family money before and I don't expect to get it back. Right. Um, that's just how it is. But then all these claims are coming through. And part of me was irritated that people were filing claims. Like I was proud. I knew, <laughs> I know Matt Mathias, so I wasn't surprised that he didn't file a claim. And I understand why you were pretty adamant that he do, he put it out there because you just wanted it all clear and organized. You didn't want any shortcuts or like, thank you. You didn't want the sympathy. Like, I just need to know who I owe money to. And I, to get this done, I need to pay everybody back. Period. End of story. Because- that's the right thing to do. So yeah, like for me, I was defensive of you (laughs) for the people that were filing the claims. And then your lawyer, you know, at one point had to bring in like the 90 people into a room. And this was kind of back to another point that I mentioned of like when they all gathered in the room, some of the people were like, oh, hey, like they knew each other. They're like, oh, you too? You too? Like I, I had no idea. But because it was like this, code, friendship code of like, well, we're not, we don't really talk about friends that we loan money to. And of course, he, exactly. and I guess I assume Mark, I, I don't know if he just didn't want you to, if somebody talked to you, maybe it was twofold. And I don't know that you'll ever know. Um, but that he didn't want you to know. So you didn't really understand what was happening because obviously it was major um, or that he knew if, if, if heaven forbid it ended the way it had to end, he didn't want to implicate you. Right. I, I don't know. I think he definitely didn't want to implicate us. I mean, I think he did what he did to try and protect the children mm. and me and leave us in good shape. Yeah. And then when you, he did leave um, letters. Well, obviously he called you to say there's a, I don't know if you mentioned that at the beginning, but you did say that you got a phone call from him and that he had done something bad, but he basically said, I've left you. 
an envelope in the closet. And then, gosh, with your kids, your daughter even said, no, this can't be. He would have left a letter. And then turns out he did leave them letters. Um, And so I imagine as it's all unfolding and your friends and family are there and some of these friends that um, are still, they're they're tangled up in this too because of that. But did you see them still show up for you even though, like for some people, did you see, okay, well, clearly they're choosing money over friendship. And then others, did you see, okay, wow, I guess they're still here for us no matter what. There was not one person that I ever felt like they're choosing money over friendship. I mean, that's part of the beauty of the story is that everybody was gracious and kind to Mm -hmm. us. I mean, they knew that our intention was to pay everybody back and they waited and they were patient with the process, but they were also like, we don't care. I mean, we don't care if we get our money back. We just care about you and the kids. So it was truly amazing. They were there. So one story the, it it took me a while to want to go out in public. I mean, it's just that whole shame, people looking at you. I had been, my criminal attorney was telling us we could be being followed, and it was so important for me to pay everybody back. I didn't want to be seen out like, oh, she's just living it up and not worried about this. So by the time I was ready to go out to dinner, It's actually a very funny story in the book, but we're out at dinner and you can tell someone's looking at you. So we're, I I just feel it. And I, I look over and this woman is sitting there looking at me and I just, I look down and I just started crying. I'm like, I shouldn't have come. This is, this is, I shouldn't be out in public. A couple of days later, I get a letter in the mail from this woman saying, I was so glad to see you out. Mm. And I mean, that I think is typical of how people were to us. There was never any, you know, what I felt, you know, oh, she's just judging me. No, she was not. She was truly glad. And I feel like everyone was like that to the children and I. They were even so she was a complete stranger, but I mean, was a friend to you at the same time by sending you a letter. Um, or I don't know about a complete no, stranger. She wasn't a complete but stranger, not complete, but, but right. she obviously is not, not someone one of my that, best friends, mm-hmm. but still a yeah. friend in the community. And, and then too, I think that's a reminder of the stories we can make up in our head about what's happening. And so for you, it was like, you're trying to be out to dinner. Um, and move forward with your life, but you see someone looking at you. So then the lie you immediately tell yourself is that she's judging you um, when really she was happy to see right, you out. Right, right. Um, but of course, you had a whole scenario, and probably until you opened that letter, you that was the story you that had was told the yourself. Story, and I was not going to go out again. I mean, I was not going to go out until we had paid everybody back. But it just was like, okay. Yeah, and I know you have you have another story in the book, and I'll save it for people that want to get it, of friends that kind of kidnapped you one night to go do something fun. <laughs> and I think that that's, too, it was, it's probably one of those moments where it's probably you needed to have a good time. When we're grieving and friends don't know what to do, sometimes it might be to whisk, whisk that person away and take them out for a good time and not just show up and be sad with them. I'm sure we need that, too. 
Right. Um, but uh, also, don't be scared to take them out to do something fun that will bring a smile to their face and make them laugh and forget about everything for maybe a few minutes. Exactly. I mean, there were so many things that I couldn't talk about. And there would just be days where they would know that I had had a hard day. And they would just bring over a big inflatable snowman and we'd put it up in someone's yard. So that was helpful. I mean, again, Madison said it. Everybody showed up. I mean, I think my sister and Lisa Stedman lived with me for, what, a month maybe? I mean, they were there. They took the kids, made sure that they were busy. Everybody was bringing their kids over to make sure the children had things to do. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, I can't even tell all the ways that they served the kids and I. I I mean, I don't even remember half the things that they were doing. I keep finding out all these stories of things that were going on. I didn't cook a meal, and I loved to cook, and I didn't think I was going to want it. But I didn't cook a meal until August, the end of August or September, and my husband died in May. Mm, Yeah, that's a lot of people showing up for you. Right. Um, So faith, friends, family— uh, we covered that a little bit. And again, we're just giving insight into what obviously more is shared in the book. And uh, But country music played a big <laughs> role, which is also to why Matt Matthias thought of me when you wrote this book. And it's, it's, it's for pre-order now. And uh, so I got like the like an advanced copy or what do they call that? Galley. A galley. I always feel so fancy when I get stuff in the mail <laughs> that is like nobody else has, has, I mean, some people have it, but it's not like out for the public and I'm like reading it. Um, so Matt thought of me because, well, I work in country music. So that'll be the next thing. Let's talk about music and and how, how it played a role in your healing. Ooh, yeah. Third thing. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, so something that you did with each chapter is it started off with a song quote, like uh, chapter one. Don't go looking for the reasons. Don't go asking Jesus why. Broken Halos by Chris Stapleton, which is such an amazing song. Yeah. Love that song. And it was one, again, one of those moments where I was never going to have the answers to why Mark did what he did. So hearing that song... It says also after that, to they belong to Jesus in the by and by. And it kept me focused on not looking back. Mm-hmm. And then, so how would you, I'm trying to picture sometimes, I know in the book you mentioned like you would get in the bath and you would put on country music and sit there and that would be like your time. But you were really taking in the lyrics, a lot of times we can listen to songs and just listen to a whole song and not really know, well, what, 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 I don't, I don't even know what they just talked about, but you were taking it all in and it was actually helping you. It was really helping. I would start the day with my Bible. And mm-hmm. then by the end of the day, I had processed so much legal stuff I and dealing with the loss of my husband and all the things that were going on with my children that I just needed to relax. And it was a little hard to relax. And I love country music. So I would get my bubble bath. I would sit in there and you'd hear these lyrics like every storm runs out of rain. And you're like, okay, this really is going to end. And when you're in the eye of it, 
I mean, you just don't know. But the words just repeated in my head. And not just the artists and the songs. They were great. But the songwriters, I mean, I have a new love for them. I mean, it's real life. The country music is real real life. Yeah. And you mentioned Josh Turner earlier when we were talking. And, you know, that's chapter nine. It says, there ain't nothing that can't be done by me and God. Ain't nobody coming between me and God. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was pretty much what I lived by every day. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this. And I turned to God a lot. Again, I mean, there were so many times that I couldn't talk to anybody about what was going on. I had my, I had 10 attorneys. So most of them knew everything, but there were two that were like my brothers who were the only ones that I could really truly talk to, which again was a God thing. They were both godly men. My three main attorneys, my three wise men, I ended up dubbing them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so God provided, once again, these three men. So again, back to the faith and bonding when I'm saying it was so much more of a me and God thing. It's because I had to turn to him because I didn't have anybody else. I couldn't even talk to my sister and tell her things. My attorneys were like, okay, you can't tell anybody this. Right. Um, Chapter 14, I love this crazy, tragic, sometimes almost magic, awful, beautiful life. And that's Awful Beautiful Life by Daryl Worley, which you went to breakfast with him this morning, which how how crazy amazing was that? It was crazy amazing. And oh my gosh, I love him I, even more. He is the most amazing man. I cried 10 times. I think he cried 10 times. Wow. I mean, he actually has an amazing story. But his words, his words, I told him, I mean, it's like I'm meeting my namesake, his words pulled me through the hardest, hardest times. And his, these are his stories. He told me, these are actual things that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And you could feel it. I mean, I could feel when I was sitting there in the tub, really processing this, I'm like, this is coming from their heart. And it was very clear when we had breakfast with Daryl Worley this morning that he is that person. He's real. I mean, it's why I, I think felt, oh, I don't even know what the right word is. Um, oh, I'm going to cry, really. It's why I felt like I could make it through um, the darkest times. Was the, like, being able to have was- other people's words which relating I, to them being relating able to, to relate them. to them mm-hmm. identify with them and knowing okay they've gone through this too they and of course I, to me in daryl's songs he was clearly clinging to god as well right and i think um while your book isn't a song <laughs> um you're sharing your words you're sharing your experience just like songwriters do um and you're putting it out there so that other people don't feel alone. And they know how to navigate through tragedy. It may not, it's not going to be the exact same story because we all have something different. Um, but we all have to go through really crappy things at times. Um, in your case, like, uh, yeah, 
I can't even imagine, but the the things that you clung to, you you went through it and you had you came out the other side. And I'm not saying you're through it all the way. I don't think you ever will be until I mean, this is something you're gonna live with for right. the rest of your life. But you you did gain some wisdom and you know what what things were there for you. And um you're you chose to be strong and and share it and put these words down. And I know it wasn't easy for you. Um, but that's what songwriters do every day. So right. you're kind of and like a, you're a storyteller too. Well, I'm a storyteller, but I think I used them. They showed me how to tell the story. Like I said, you could feel it in their music. There's, I mean, funny things in there too. I mean, that pull you through like, wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's the, there's the laughing side of the country music too, not just the deep feeling side, but the laughing, the pray for you song where he wishes a flower pot will fall on his head. Those moments of laughter in the country music are great too. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, I, I appreciate you putting it down. I think that, uh, people will take a lot, not just from listening this, but if they order your book, they'll take away, um, some stuff. I mean, not only just taking in your story, um, because it's, it's a compelling read because of everything you went through, but really what is in here is, and I say that it's so hard um, because you don't want someone's tragedy to be your entertainment <laughs> per se, because that's doesn't seem like the right thing to say, but it's a book and it's a good read. And sometimes people are looking for a book, but I would say it's one of those things. I wouldn't look at it like that. I would look at it like if you have gone through something tough or someone in your life has, and you want to learn how to be there for somebody or navigate through it for yourself, then you might need a few F words and some country music in your life. <laughs> right. And so thank you for, for sharing your experience for others. Thank you. With Amy Brown. So we have four king and country sitting in for a little yes. segment today, which is awesome. So it's Luke and Joel, and you know y'all are y'all did a song with Dolly. I'm just gonna put it out there. There's a song with Dolly, and I was driving in with my friend who said, you know, I really feel like when I get to heaven, the angels are gonna sound like Dolly. Like Dolly what do y'all think? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. We have a, a our journey with Dolly is probably different than a lot of folks. It's it's kind of sporadic, and mine is mostly the bodyguard. I will always love you, Whitney Houston, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and a little bit of Jolene. But it really, when we really kind of discovered her, was I watched this Netflix original show, Dumplin', with my wife, with yeah. Jennifer Aniston. It's so good. It's a great film. I watched it with my daughter, and it was great. Mm. Oh, us. it would be a good film yeah. for your daughter as well. So we we watched it and I was just, Dolly produced it and her music is kind of like the, the one of the, the characters in the film almost. Like it's laced with Dolly Parton music. And I, I, I every song I was like, that's a Dolly. Dolly's saying that. And so it was like, Dolly's always been around us and maybe like angels around us and amongst <laughs> us. And we didn't even know it. And when we kind of, that was the night that we had this idea. I, I said to Mariah, I wonder if we, we should approach, as preposterous as it is, we should approach Dolly to sing on this song, God Only Knows, because we wanted someone like a strong female voice to kind of take it further than I, we felt like we could take it as two kind of homeschooled Australian guys. 
And um, within like two weeks, we're on the phone with her uh, directly. And she said, this is one of the great songs I've heard. And which our jaws are still on the floor because of that. And, and then from that point to this, I have to say, Amy, she has just been such a light. Speaking of like angels and heaven and like from professionalism to grace to poise to generosity with her time. Like we did a music video together and um, obviously she sang on the song and she was so eager. She wanted to get it just right. She sang all these different takes. It's just been a really splendid well, so you said it took like two weeks for that to kind of transpire. Yeah. So, but like, do you just reach out to people that know people who know people? <laughs> well, that's or the thing you that like- was crazy. Yeah. I, I, you don't ever, you know, when you have these crazy ideas and you kind of throw this like Hail Mary, you don't Worst ever. The they could say is. No. 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 Or just not get back to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so you threw the Hail Mary. Yeah. Well, we knew, I actually, speaking of like heaven and church and angels and Sunday school, I taught two of her um, sort of junior managers in Sunday school. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, whoa. And so that was my first was like, I'm just going to call them and kind of soft love. And they were like, we can't, we love this. So then they took it to Danny, her, her lead manager. And then within a week, he'd taken it to her. And she had just made the comment to Danny um, that she really wants to start leaning into more kind of inspirational, you know, positive and, and even faith-based music and so she just within like 48 hours she'd made that comment and then this song showed up on her desk and so she wow. was like this yeah. is- she took it as okay well god only knows yeah. oh there, there you it go. is oh, i see what you did hey. there you are clever <laughs> <laughs> which that i don't think we've said the name of the song just yeah. yet so mm-hmm. some people miss listening may be like yeah. oh i already love that song i listened to it already other people might be like mm, what is that song and i recommend you go download it and listen to it and take in the lyrics and You know, one thing that we try to do on this podcast is uh, a lot of the guests that we bring on or life stories that I share or different things, uh, you know, sometimes it's light, sometimes it's heavy, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, you know, something beauty and vain and not really important in the grand scheme of things, but stuff people like to hear about, or sometimes it's like heavy stuff. But either way, I hope they walk away from one of the little things that we discuss, um, you know, not feeling alone. Like whoever needed yeah. to hear that that day. And I feel like that's what that y'all have done with that song is everybody's on a journey and everybody has something going on, has a different story, mm. um, depending on different seasons in yeah. life. But like, you know, you're not, you're not alone in it. I think that was what was for me so special about having Dolly on that song is when I heard her uh, sing it, whether or not voice of an angel, whatever. When I heard her sing it, I felt the weight of her career in those words. God only knows what you've been through, which you think for her being in the yeah. entertainment world for 60 something years, being a female in this world uh, that she kind of paved a way for in country music. I don't know. There felt like there was this beauty that mm-hmm. struck me when she sung, God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows the real you, but there's a kind of love that God only knows. And I think the thing that makes God approachable is that all the things that we have done in our life, the mistakes that we've made or, or whatever, that it, to be able to have a statement like there's still a God that loves you despite that was yeah. the thing to us hearing Dolly sing that, that there was a significant weight to that mm. that I did not anticipate when I heard uh, anybody else sing that song. I may or may not have cried. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I could imagine probably taking in that song, depending on, again, what season of life you're in. Like if you're yeah. going to listen to it for the first time, it may hit you in a certain way where you yeah. do get emotional. But being there witnessing it mm. go down, Did so did y'all record together? We were actually out of town. Yeah. And a that, lot was, of times- that was part of the reason that I think it hit me so hard was because mm-hmm. – we couldn't make the recording session. A couple of our producers went and and they were emotional, but we had never heard anything until like it was kind of put in the song oh, wow. and it was sent to us. Yeah. And so that compounded it even more. And I, I feel like as writers, there are, there are, we kind of say there are songs that write you, or there are songs that you write and then there are songs that write you. And this felt like a song that wrote us. Like it, it was right in a time where I was becoming a, American citizens, so there was a lot of like looking at where we find ourselves socially and politically and spiritually and all the rest of it. And now, Luke, are you American citizen too? I am. You yeah, Joel, Joel's the last one in the entire family to get it. So he makes it like out that he's like some sort of hero <laughs> that he did this. <laughs> I, I, and the truth is, we've all been there. Mind. We've all done that, and uh, he's still talking about it nearly four years later. No, it's two years. <laughs> it's it's two still years. fresh. Two it's years. fresh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank so, you. Thank I'm just yeah. You know, well, just a side note on that. Did yeah. you think the test to become a citizen was hard? I was horrified. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even as Americans, sometimes on the Bobby Bones show, we'll do, you know, on, you know, 4th of July episodes or something like that. We'll do some, like, do you love your country test or how well, like, would you even be an American citizen if you had to take the test today? And a lot of times I miss some. I think that it's kind of like, it's kind of like the driver's test, you know, when you take, it's like they intentionally put things in there that unless you've read this book, you're failing that thing. You know what I mean? Right. And I think it's similar. Like there's, I mean, how many House of Representatives are there in America? Amy. I, d- I don't know. Yeah. Oh, Stop. 435, I, I believe. Oh, good that is, for you. That is true. And it's like, there, there's a unless hundred, you know it, hundred you don't know senators. It. That's right. Oh, look, that's thank right. You. There we go. I just had to prove I knew something. <laughs> Who is the first president George of George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the second? Uh, do you know who the second was? The second. I do. I do. Good yes. for you. President of the United States was not John Adams. Yes, it was. It was. John Adams. So I mean, it was which none one other of you two? Like, who was the better at school? Who was better at school? I we never went to Luke. Actually, oh, literally, y'all were homeschooled. we were homeschooled. Everyone. Ooh, okay. So it, it, Luke never say, actually went but, to a day of school here's, in here's his whole life. When Joel says that. I went to a year of school. <laughs> Joel Granted. makes it sound like if you're homeschooled, you have no metric of intelligence or not. Like he's like, you know what? If you don't go to school, we have no idea if you know no, how to read bas- or write. Basically, you know? <laughs> basically, like the way people gauge, not intelligence, but like you know IQ or whatnot, is based on. Tests and stuff. We, and we took, really, we didn't really do tests. Yeah, but we still took. We did. Home. We did life tests. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I feel bad because I'm the one that derailed this, talking about you know <laughs> if y'all were both U.S. citizens, but you were going somewhere with this about you being. Oh yeah, I was. Oh, it was right. very profound, but it's gone now. It is. <laughs> no, okay. no. I, what what I was going to say is there there are songs there are songs that you write and there are songs that write you. There you and go. And this. It's funny, even in this season where we find ourselves, um, where I feel like there's a we're more connected than ever. You know, podcasts, social media, smartphones—you name it. Um, the internet. Thank you, Al Gore. Um, where we are more connected than ever, and yet it feels like we're we're more kind of isolated and separated, and even I dare say, kind of segregated than we have been in a long time. Mm-hmm. And so the notion, we throw this phrase around so flippantly, that God only knows why, you know, 
this kind of stuff happens. And usually it's tied to some kind of negative connotation. But if you really dig deep into the, the idea of it, I, the, the, the idea that we are designed, that we are created for a purpose, that you're not a mistake no matter how you've found your way to the earth, that you are you know, fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. And, and, and that you might tell yourself lies, other people might speak negative things into you, but the fact is you are extravagantly loved by your designer, by your creator. That to me is one of the recipes to great unity, not only in this country, but around the world of going, man, we are, even if I'm not socially accepted or even if I'm rejected or whatnot, I'm, I'm actually loved by the whole designer of this whole thing. I'm loved by the, this, this creator. What a, what a profound thought. And that's what we've found and felt firsthand with this song that kind of wrote us, that whether it's Dolly coming on board or we did a version with Timbaland and Echo Smith, it was like people were coming out saying from different walks of life, different perspectives saying, I, I, get, I, I can rally behind that. Mm, I love that. I feel like anything that can unite people, yeah. especially like you were saying, it's such a divisive, tense time where everybody's just, you're seeing the shift kind of happen, I think, where people are starting to realize, okay, like, Let's focus on what we're for and not yeah. so much what we're against. And like uh, some people are not there yet. <laughs> They're over on Facebook, I think. <laughs> they, all, they all live on Facebook. <laughs> they, live, they live over there, oh, except funny. for all you good ones that we talk to. But I mean, occasionally it's just like, gosh, why, why, the, why so heavy and divisive and negative? And um, so, yeah, to have something that promotes unity and love and, and, and then, yeah, to a message of that you're not you're not alone, and God mm. only knows. Like I, I feel like um, music is so therapeutic. I mean, we all know that. I'm not the only one that feels that way, but it's so therapeutic for people. And so, for y'all to have that gift to be able to give people is oh, amazing. is amazing. Yeah, you go throughout history. It's like before theater, before film, before technology, before even language. Like the thing that people had was rhythm and melody. That like you go to any remote culture in the world, that's what we have. That's the great gift to humanity. I feel like. Is, did you is, learn that in homeschool? Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be your question for everything. Any, did any, you any, learn like, that in homeschool? Any opinion or you learned that in homeschool? Didn't you? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, but I thought it was funny when y'all came in. Uh, you know, Joel was like open arms, like hug ah, right away. That, and then Lou yeah. came in like I'm a minute so later sorry. and I thought, okay, these people are huggers. Like, and I'm a hugger, so I'm just going to go for the hug. And I feel like no, Lou was like, no. Whoa, See, that made me sound out to be like, so rude. No, I'm so not, sorry for you that. You are not the first, No, no, Amy. that is not the case. Nor that is not rude. Last. Luke, some uh, people are huggers, some people are not. Like Bobby, yeah. who I do the morning show with, he's not a hugger. <laughs> nope, doesn't so here's really a, so here's what happens to me. So we go, you know, obviously shows we do meet and greets. Right, nearly every, that's where I was getting. I yeah, want to know yeah, what yeah. A, if people listening eventually one day end up at the meet and greet. I just want to go ahead and prepare. You know, them. you know, I don't think we've ever talked about this before. Well, we got to prepare people. Oh, no, it's good. It's good. I, yeah. So I just have this thing. Like I hug my wife. Right. I hug my kids. I hug people that are in my like. I know them. You know, they're like in my inner circle to a degree. Got it. But when people, and this is the this is what Joel mentioned right before we started this, the challenging thing about uh, meet and greets is these people come and they know you, they listen to the podcast, they listen to your interviews, they listen to all these things. 
but I don't know them. And so Joel's there like, how how you doing? You know, and giving all these hugs. And I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, here's my hand. You know, let me shake you. Let me get to know you. Maybe we will finish with a hug depending on how the conversation goes. But usually I'm like, yeah, I want to shake their hand. You know, I want to get to, get to know Looks them. Like maybe a cat that's, and I'm like a puppy dog. Yeah, I don't. That's a very good way of putting it. You're yeah, he like, wants to keep it arm's length. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> oh, that sounds Luke, so rude don't right take now. this like it's a rude I'm thing. So I don't. Rude. I think it just is. People are listening right now, <laughs> yeah. relating to you. They're oh, like, "That okay. is so right. me. I don't right. pass out hugs, and I'm tired of people thinking <laughs> that I should pass out hugs, and that you're only nice if you hug because it's not. You're you're oh, so kind. You're well. You are sweet. You're, well, uh, now I will say this: when people come up and in the signing lines and they say, "Hey, can I get a hug?" I'm like, "Absolutely," because that feels like a very maybe I'm like. Maybe we're doing like an etiquette, a proper etiquette for a meet and greet type oh, conversation a here. But. There's a permission thing <laughs> yeah. to it. Like, I think you're kind of like Jerry Seinfeld. And like I'm, I'm hilarious. Of, I'm like, kind of you, like Kesha. That. Did you ever see that with Jerry Seinfeld and Kesha a couple of months oh, ago? Oh, yeah. That was awkward. Where Jerry was, she was like, can I give you a hug? And Jerry's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we don't no, know, he's like, like I we don't, don't know, know you. you. I was like, and fair enough. No, I see it different. I see it as we, we now we're, we're somehow connected. We might yeah, be psychoanalyzing not, this not, thing a little not, much, but that's you know, good. We're not connected through like a physical meeting, like is the convention way, convention way for two humans to meet. But somehow through your journey and my journey, um, we have had some kind of like cyber interconnection with the music. Well, small and, world, we actually are connected because yeah. your cousin is the pastor of my church. Yes. Put I know, that I together. That. And then we have like some Haiti connections. I totally get Lots. what you're saying about everybody being connected, by the way. I just wanted to yeah. also just talk about yeah. how small the world can be. And y'all came all the way from Australia. You did the outback of Australia. <laughs> There's no power down there. We speak a different language. Do y'all eat kangaroo? I have. Me too. What'd you think of it? I thought it was good. Did, it when, did like you have steak. it? Where, where did you have it? I had it, it in North Carolina at a restaurant <laughs> called Chef Warren's. It's like the nicest restaurant mm-hmm. in this cute little town mm-hmm. we used to live in. And he had kangaroo as an appetizer. Wow. And at first it threw me and I refused to eat it because I thought, it, how, could, how in the world could yeah. I eat a kangaroo? And then I went through a phase where I was vegan, but this was pre that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know... I uh, I really struggled with it. And then finally I was like, forget it. Everyone's raving about this kangaroo. So I'm just going to eat it. And he, the chef told me, he said, look, and I don't know if he's right. Y'all are the ones from Australia. But he said, it's like here you eat deer, right? Yeah, and there, you there are deer, kangaroos Right. He everywhere. said over there, it's similar. It's like you eating a cute little deer here. Are here are fun facts about kangaroos. Kangaroos are actually the only national mascot in the world because we have them on all of our like insignias and stuff in Australia, the only national mascot in the world that is actually a pest. Oh, see, so yeah, y'all need kangaroos to are pests, and the Chinese love kangaroos too. You, you basically, we hunt kang. Well, we don't. We've been on hunts with kangaroos, but we. Sorry, everyone. We've hunted kangaroos. <laughs> Be so and they and they I know, and then they basically ship them all over to China. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, and apparently North Carolina as well. <laughs> and Arizona. <laughs> I had kangaroo Warren. in Arizona. Yeah, weird. Okay. Yeah. Well, so one more Australia thing, y'all growing yeah. up there. If you grew up there and then you came here, what are like, what's your favorite American TV show? Like that we grew up, how old are y'all? Oh, I know your born years. I, ha- I brought y'all hats that yeah. are your born years. But- oh, that's mm-hmm. very nice. 
Yeah. We'll have to hug after this because it's a nice <laughs> gift. Oh, oh, uh, yeah, oh, I'll take, a, I'll take a picture of it because it's a rare occasion. Give Luke a gift and he'll give you a hug. <laughs> um, no, but I have little four things totes for your That's wives and born your hats for y'all, which is stuff we use so to you, support. Current Haiti. favorite TV show or like favorite TV show? I don't know, like, I mean, like friends, like you mentioned Jerry Seinfeld. Like, do yep. you, is there stuff on Netflix where you're like, oh, but I mean, it's a solid American show or like do people in Australia watch friends? I don't know. Well, are you, so are you talking about like growing up in Australia? What will we watch? We really want clarity Anything, here. Anything, yeah. I know. I thought yeah. specifics. I, I really want to answer this. We want to do the right thing. I didn't deliver this right. I guess is there an American show that's like a pop phenomenon? Like yeah. it's like so yes. popular, but yet y'all also knew of it there. Yeah. Like friends. Luke, I'm going to give that. Great Alaskan Frontier, right? That's well, your... uh, the, the Alaska, the Alaska, the, the Lost, Lost Frontier the Lost is one of my Frontier. favorite shows, but yeah. I didn't grow up on that. I mean, we were pretty young. But is when that we came. American? Well, Alaska uh, is, right? Yeah. Oh, well, oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you a geography lesson about the United Sorry, States of America. I was hearing Amy. Australia. I was hearing Australia. I've never been to Alaska, <laughs> although my husband did live there for five That's years. That's amazing that you there just you said that. So, that is, and, and we have a record of that. And you know what? I wasn't homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> we may be better oh, no. off. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. My um, mind. You said I don't a. know if this applies, okay, but yeah. I literally, my wife does not like the whole um, like slapstick 90s humor, like Christmas vacation and all that. She's not in on that. Okay. At all. So it was hard to find a comedy like Seinfeld. She's kind of on the fence with The Office. The Office. It's magic. Good one. See, I bought the go. whole thing. And, I, and we're literally halfway through. She's yeah. never seen it. It's okay. such and intelligent she, humor. She me. thinks it's funnier than I think. But I don't think, speaking of being PC, I don't think you could make The Office today. Oh, yeah, that'd be rough. Some stuff that Steve Carell says, it's, I'm like, <laughs> what? How did he get away with that on? But even Friends has that sometimes. Some episodes where you're yeah. thinking, how in the world did they get away with that? But it just was a different time. But that's the beauty of comedy too, though. Mm -hmm. Like we can't, we're not very really funny, so we can't get away with a lot. But comedians can actually get away with a lot. True. Because they're doing it to try and make you laugh. Right. You know, they still get themselves in a lot of and trouble. And it's a satire <laughs> on life, really. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you like that word satire? <sighs> I mean, sure. <laughs> That's a great homeschool word. <laughs> I know. I okay, we got like, to stop with the homeschool I'll, thing. I'll end with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, that little joke. But, okay, well, I just want to encourage everybody to check out this song. Um, I'm going to play a little bit right here. God only knows. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows And, you know, share it with somebody else that you think might need to hear it. And, you know, check out other songs from for King and Country. And then Dolly, if you've never heard of her stuff, check it out. <laughs> Come to a show and give Luke a big bear. <laughs> yes. And then on Instagram, y'all are at for King and Country. Yeah. And, I mean, y'all have a lot of followers on Instagram. Which uh, we do follow you. Oh, well, look what I'm going to do right now. I'm following oh, you back. Oh, oh, I've been waiting for this Boom, day. you just got one more follower. <laughs> which, which you know, so we follow Bobby as well. And, man, that, like that, that fellow me. is all over the place. Yeah, he he's and his very dog. busy. Yeah. He's everywhere. Mm -hmm. We thought we were busy. And I was like, no, we got nothing on Bobby Bones. Yeah, well, everyone's different kinds of, y'all are still, it's all... Y'all have a lot going on. It's a different level. Which is why I appreciate, too, y'all taking the time to come in and, and talk with, with me here. And I think people are really going to love this. So I appreciate it. This is this is easy. This is a walk in the park. Yeah, this is, is easy. Can we go out with y'all sharing four things that you're grateful for? Just quickly. Like, no, it can like be that. trivial or serious or whatnot, but just four things that you're grateful for. Four things I'm grateful for. Well, uh, 
my wife and kiddos, mm-hmm. absolutely, because we got we got three boys, a six, four, and two-year-old, which is a lot of fun in our household. So very thankful for that. I, I live in the country, and I literally pray nearly every night how grateful I am to live in this home. It's in the middle of nowhere. And you don't have we to just, hug anybody. You know, <laughs> he's isolated. <laughs> he's away from the world. Oh, she'd been waiting for that moment. Um, and uh, I'm grateful for... Um, um, I'm grateful to have work that I enjoy doing. I'm grateful that it's something that uh, I feel like uh, can help people along in their their life. If that makes sense, it's not just a job. I was I was I was driving up here and I passed by the Saturn plant and they were striking. And I had a moment where yesterday my son was with me and he goes, "Oh, Dad, those are the people that don't have jobs." And I was like, "Oh!" And so it just made me realize how thankful I am to actually have something that I like like doing. And that uh, that I feel like I hope that helps people along in this life, you know. Love that. And a fourth one, the fourth one's going to be a, a challenge for me because I, I I had three that I felt really confident about. What about? Oh, you don't know about the fourth? Uh, what about your brother? Well, I like Joel most you days. You stole mine. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I literally Joel? had this whole thing planned. Okay. I uh, I am grateful actually to be able to do music not alone because it can be. I, I don't know if you feel like this too in the morning show, but. It's a, it can be a heavy toll, so to be able to do it together is a true gift. Love that. Okay. So speaking of physical affection, Luke and I have this really bad habit because we've spent more time with one another in the last you know, decade than we have our spouses probably, which is frightful. Yeah, we don't say hi and bye to one another. And it's not deliberate. We just actually forget. I will go and say hi and bye to every single person in the room except for Luke. And you realize, and maybe this is a little charge speaking of being grateful, to those of you that have someone who's near and dear, you just, they kind of become part of the furniture. So with that, my number one of four things I'm grateful for is my little brother and to be on this musical life journey arm in arm with him. Love it. I'm thankful for Caramello Koalas. They are good. Look them up. Yeah. Caramello koalas. It's uh, it's Cadbury's chocolate with caramel on the inside. So good. You okay. mostly can't get them here. Okay. Um, I am very thankful for my darling wife. We've been married for six years, and she's marvelous and smart and weird and awesome. And um, we have a great Dane as well. Oh, a, awesome! Is that Thank another thing? Mary Weather. Thank you. Or thankful for. That's a family one, so I'm going to put that in like the okay. same bucket as number three. Okay. okay. Um, and then actually speaking of this whole like American citizen thing, I'm really thankful for this country. That's awesome. I really am. Like we are immigrants. We came over. Um, we started, we're two of seven kids. We married Americans, six of the seven of us. My younger sister just started dating an American. So we're probably seven for seven and we have built a life here and friends and family and, and opportunity. It's been a wonderful place. And so I'm. I'm grateful for the United States of America. Thank you. I feel like as an American, I'm <laughs> I'm obligated to say thank you for that's something I think even as um, you know what's going through my mind, and I was like, oh gosh, you know, someone that is an immigrant, you know, sometimes we I take it for granted. I mean, Australia is probably amazing. I've never been, but a lot of times I don't think of how lucky I am to have just been born here. Mm, yeah. Even though I know that that's a huge blessing in itself. Look, there's a lot of work but to I've be tra- done. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying we're. But that's I, life. We've. 
I think y'all, we've had some travels, like mm -hmm. spent time in places where it's mm -hmm. like, whoa, like, I don't know if y'all, I mean, me, Haiti, I've also been to certain places in Africa and, yeah. you know, when you're there, beautiful people, amazing, amazing people. But when it comes to like where you have to be, like where the, everything we've been given, um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I don't want to harp on this, but I'll tell you a real quick story. I got sworn in just down the road here um, at the courthouse in Nashville. And there was 24 of us from 60 different countries. Mm. It was magnificent, you know, colors, shapes, and sizes. We were all there, accents and language. And the judge presiding was maybe more excited than we were, which we were all very excited. But he was so excited because you could think judges just do kind of negative. They're like, you know. Joel's father-in-law is a judge. My father-in-law so is a judge. He knows a little so bit about judging. They're doing, you know criminal stuff and the, the, most of their job is like putting people behind bars and in this case it's welcoming them into this country and mm. he gave us this charge he said this is your responsibility as a citizen bring your ideas bring your culture bring your art bring your faith um, bring your food I said amen um, and uh, because this is the beautiful building blocks of the United States of America is diversity mm. and I think if we can wake up to that that it's actually not a negative, that the, the beauty of America is all of these different, it's the Hispanic, my wife's Hispanic, it's the Hispanic culture, it's the African-American culture, it's the, it's the Caucasian culture, it's the, it's the Asian culture, and everyone in between, it's the Indian culture, it's all of these coming together and actually making something mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah, I've, uh, a Haitian, my dad just moved to Nashville and, and to an assisted living type place, mm -hmm. and the woman that runs his floor, each floor has a floor manager, and her name is Marie and she's Haitian mm. and you know, she's now an American citizen and has been for quite some time, but grew up in Port-au-Prince where yeah. my kids grew up. Wow. Honestly, it's why I think I saw my dad. We went to visit multiple ones. But when I found out Marie was on the third floor and that was the only room available, I was like, shut up. You I mean, like, I go. feel like yeah. because, and you know what she did last Saturday? Um, we got there and she told me, she goes, my shift starts at 2 PM. I want you to come up there bring your kids. So my dad had been sick all week. So I was kind of like, shoot, is this going to work out? And then Friday, he was like, I feel better. So Saturday brought the kids up wow. there at 2 PM. I walked in my dad's and she had to start her shift. So she was working, but then sitting on my dad's little counter was like three of the biggest Tupperware things full of Haitian food um, that she had made that put my daughter, Sashir, she's 12 and she's only been here like a year and a half. She's got a lot going on, you know? And like, she gets happy from time to time for things, and she's she's really sweet. But our younger son, he's got, he's a little bit more. He's not processing quite as much because he was younger. I have not seen her smile like that. And then Marie stopped wow. by to see if we got the food, and they were speaking Creole to each other. And my daughter's eyes just lit up like her heart had been like she was like a flower that had been watered. And I just mm. thought like. How cool is it that Marie got to move from Port-au-Prince and become an American citizen and get a job here where my dad now is, and then my little Haitian kids who I adopted are now here getting to feel the love from somebody from their culture yeah. that's now an American too. Yeah. And it was wow. just such a special, like I have goosebumps just even thinking about it because she doesn't, I mean, she, it was so, y'all, it was so much food. And she said, I made extra so that they could have, she made it all at home. I mean, Huge Tupperware, four oh. big, I didn't even know they made Tupperware this big. 
And I couldn't believe it. And my dad even thought like, do you think she wanted us to scoop out stuff for the kids and then give it back to her so she could keep it? And she said, no, that is for later for them to have it at home as much as they want. And like, she also, I know she works really hard and doesn't like, I wouldn't, I've, I've, I need to think of a way like how it's not like I wanted to be like, oh, here's can I pay you for this? Because that was clearly her love language, her gift, like her. She wanted to do that. So now I need to find a way to just repay her. But you just you brought in how all the different people have been welcome in different ways and how then allowing that can touch people that come here other ways like adoption. Yeah. Because if not, then my kids would just see a bunch of white Americans everywhere. Gonna, and I don't want make me emo. <laughs> and I don't want that for them. Like I want them to see all Different walks of yeah. life. And then also even how cool their own culture in mm-hmm. America. Well, and that's that's what's been so amazing. I mean, thanks for sharing that because that's just that's it. Yeah, like, that is in flesh and blood mm-hmm. the beauty of it. And for us, even with this whole like. God in the nose and connecting to Dolly. Now as Australians transplanted to the United States and being part of this country, we're able to go and sing these songs and and offer some sort of encouragement or hope or positivity to people um, based on the country saying, well, come on in. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, like we'd just be down in Australia doing. Eating kangaroo. Eating kangaroo. That's right. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Okay, that's a wrap on today's episode. A big thank you to Becky for coming on and um, sharing her story. And I just hope y'all enjoyed our little chat about faith and family and friends and country music. And uh, a big thank you to For King and Country for coming in to sit down with me. I hope that y'all check out their music uh, along with Becky's book. Um, We just want to encourage and lift up so many guests that we have on our podcast. So if something really resonates with you, like try to reach out to these people or try to support them in whatever way that you can by maybe sending them an encouraging note or uh, buying their book or downloading their music or whatever the case. Uh, But now we'll get into the email shout out and it is from Julie. Hey, Amy, I'm writing you to share something I witnessed on my way to work this morning that I thought you would love. While coming to a stoplight, the car in front of me had bumped the car in front of it. The two cars pulled over. The woman in the second car, the one that bumped, got out looking completely horrified that this happened. The woman in the first car got out and went to look for damage. From where I was, everything looked fine. I see the woman in the second car holding her hands over her face. And the next thing I see is the woman in the first car put out her arms and hug the second car woman. Seeing this warmed my heart so much. The first woman choosing to show kindness and just seeing women lift other women up in general. It was a beautiful thing. I love your positivity and thought you would enjoy hearing about this story as well. Have a great day. And Julie, thank you for sharing this. And I kind of thought this goes along with kind of what I was saying in the intro is you never know what people are going through and just like having that grace. And obviously, if you bump into another car, you feel horrible and mortified. And sometimes your first reaction, if you're in a hurry to get somewhere, you just nobody has time to get into a car accident. And then there's the whole money thing. There's so many factors that go into that to where you could react in such a negative way and make the other person feel really bad for their mistake. But I think what this person showed was compassion and a little bit of grace to be like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and put my arms out and give you a hug because I know that this sucks and you didn't mean to do this. So let's hug. And 
this is just a car example, but I feel like we could use this in multiple areas of our life that maybe sometimes we just need to reach out our arms to somebody and offer them a hug. And I think it can make a world of difference. And um, so Julie, thank you for sharing that email. And then uh, I guess before we go, uh, or put a total wrap on the episode, I will um, just send encouragement per usual, uh, since it's Christmas shopping time that uh, you got to get your four things tote orders in. And I love that y'all want to support Haiti. We get messages too from people that are like, I have decided I'm, you know, going to get lots of things from Espoir for Christmas, for Christmas gifts, because I love that it has a give back component. And we love that too. And I'm trying to get somebody to come on to talk about what's happening in Haiti so y'all can have a better picture, but just know that like things in Haiti right now are really, really, really devastating and bad. So um, just know that when you're shopping with Espoir, you're getting something super cute, but you're also going to make a tremendous impact in Haiti, especially at a time when they really, really need it. So keep that in mind. And if you want to get four things totes for your friends, just be thinking of their favorite four things. I know it takes some time, but it also takes us time to make them and ship them. And if we get a bunch of orders at the same time, then we have to cut things off. So we're trying to pace everything out and encourage our loyal people to order now. So that way, when it gets closer to Christmas and people that are the stragglers, they can still get their totes. So um, RadioAmy.com to find links to Shop Espoir and even Pimp and Joy stuff. Um, but yeah, that's it. Okay. Have a great day and talk to you later. Be kind to joy. Love a lot. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more things. Tight, tighten up your core things. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. 
All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org.